For RCRTV, I'm Joey Jackson. On this episode of Cell Tower News, we discuss the Tower Toolkit with PMTS maintenance engineer Dennis McCall of Verizon Wireless. We talk hotel base stations, DAS and small cell networks, Volte, as well as how Dennis helped put a murderer behind bars. All that and more. Stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board, telecomcareers.net. For 20 years, Nate has been the undisputed global leader in safety, standards, and education for the wireless and broadcast communications infrastructure industries. All right, welcome back to Cell Tower News, where we discuss the backbone of the wireless industry. Before we get to the heart of our discussion, let's take a look at what's been happening in the last week with Jared Matula, who writes the Cell Tower Wrap column on rcrwireless.com. Jared, what's going on? Let's start with two updates on Cell Tower Dust that I reported on previously in Cell Tower News. First, a new report has been released regarding the tragic death of a tower technician in July of 2014. It appears the cause of death in the case of the climber in Kentucky who lost his life may not have been a supporting shackle as initially thought by authorities. The new report says despite the employer, Fortune Wireless, claiming a shackle was used on the site the day of the incident in a hoisting system, evidence found at the site indicated that instead a carabiner was used, not a shackle. Fortune Wireless was initially fined $14,700 in fines from OSHA for the incident, but only ended up paying $4,900 for improperly training the climber. In another update, Bird Telecom is in hot water for forgery and lying under oath. The Louisiana-based company was in court over $7,000 of fines levied by OSHA regarding the deaths of two tower climbers in 2013. The climbers were bird employees, but to try to find their way out of paying those fines, the company tried to assert that they were just contractors. They even provided W-9 documents that seemed to prove this status, but unfortunately for Bird, the court determined these documents were forgeries of the two deceased employees' signatures. All right, well, that's all for this week. Back to you, Joey. All right, thanks for that, Jared. Now let's get into why we're here. Let's open our tower toolbox with Dennis McCall, PMTS engineer at Verizon Wireless. First of all, Dennis, let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us a bit about your background. I've been in the wireless industry since about 1994, and uh, my focus has been in that time frame has been really propagation, antenna systems, link budgets, and in the, fir- the first 19 years of my career, I was a system performance engineer in Southern California, focusing on uh, customer experience and understanding customer needs and and resolving those through uh, system optimization from an antenna system level or an E-Node B or base station uh, level. You know, initially it was AMPS and then we moved from AMPS to CDMA and from CDMA to uh, EVDO, EVDO to LTE. So it's interesting that the same processes seem to be repeating themselves and the customer experience and response is uh, interesting. And especially as we move forward and people adopt and adapt to uh, the the digital environment or landscape. And so, Dennis, you're a PMTS maintenance engineer for Verizon. What exactly does that entail? 
So PMTS, that's a principal member of tech technical staff uh, with the maintenance engineering organization within Verizon Wireless. And I work with a group of, of uh, four other gentlemen. So there's five people in the group and we focus on the RF systems that are in place for macro cells, small cells, uh, the antenna systems, the cables, the connectors, the DAS systems uh, that are in play. And we all have uh, a significant amount of experience. We, together, we, we have probably just under 100 years of experience. And when we, we have an issue or a problem, we focus, uh, we, we meet as a group, we talk about issues, but each one of us will own a specific issue that comes up. My strengths are uh, RF propagation and DAS in building optimization. So uh, I'll focus on that but we all have our primary focus, but we all generally back each other up. So when there's a problem, a serious issue, uh, we engage and we can try and resolve it. All right, so let's talk a bit about small cells. Deployments are increasing constantly. How do you see that impacting macro sites? So small cells, I think we first started hearing about small cells a couple of years ago, and the idea was that we were going to, going to be deploying these very rapidly, very quickly, but um, we soon, uh, we, we saw that we just weren't seeing the numbers that, that we thought we were going to see. And I think the root, the root of that or the root cause of this delay has been the sticker shock of the cost for deployment of a small cell in a system. You know, the, the backhaul cost, the leasing cost initially before people understood what was happening. Everybody, it, we, we started seeing that it was the same as a, a macro cell, except you get a small, small cell footprint. So that had a couple of, of, consequences where uh, folks really wanted to have a, a, a macro cell capability in a small cell but the definition of a small cell I think initially was a, was a low power idea but the small cells that were actually seen being deployed um, have macro cell power in many cases now but we'll throttle back and use what is needed but they certainly uh, it's nice to have that headroom to use so when we talk about a, a small cell deployment the idea is that you have a macro cell or a macro system um, deployed, you cover a large area, area, uh, and but you have these gaps where um, there are maybe a lot of customers at Cell Edge that are operating a very low modulation code schemes, which is a burden for capacity. So the idea is, of course, you drop these in, and we had that problem dropping them in. But now the backhaul solutions are getting better. We're we're developing these alternative methods for deployment that are are really catching on, and that is driving the development of the heterogeneous network concept or idea. You know, it's a word that's thrown out, um, you know, very easily, but it means a lot. It means a lot to me. And the small cell is just one of those ideas within the heterogeneous network solution. And, and we will, it'll be a part of the toolbox. It's like I'd say, let's call it a Phillips head screwdriver or an Allen wrench. And we're the macro cell need is still there. Although we are, it's a very mature network. We're still seeing a need to cover new areas in a large way. So you look at the deployment requirement and they say, okay, well, you know, what, what tool am I gonna use for that? The right tool for the right job, macro cell is still a part of that. And if it fits, you're gonna deploy it. But in the optimization effort, getting rid of the, the, the burden of, on capacity of the low modulation code schemes or the low coverage areas are really what, what are driving um, these solutions to improve the customer experience and at the same time improve capacity. So small cell is one part of that. So right now we're doing everything. Okay, let's, let's do everything all at once and see where we can get an edge. You know, where can we get the opportunity to lease? Where are the business opportunities available? 
engage on those and and try to do them try to to engage on these opportunities efficiently and reduce the the amount of rework or trouble and that's where the maintenance engineering group comes into focus we want to make sure that the antenna systems and the cables and the connectors <clears throat> the alarming and the, the processes are in place so that we just deploy it and hopefully it just works beautifully for decades to come all right, Dennis, so you talked about the toolkit. Let's talk about another tool in the toolkit, base station hotels. Where do they fit in best with macro DAS and small cell networks? The base station hotels or uh, BBU hotels are part of the, the CRAN uh, idea, uh, or you can even consider ODAS to be a part of that. So the need is to uh, provide coverage, could be high power coverage, could be low power coverage, but we're trying to minimize the footprint in, in the uh, that that last point, that the point at which we're going to transmit to the customer. So, in the case where we can put a remote radio head, a remote radio unit, uh, small cell, or even a uh, you can call it an ODAS solution, out in the field, put it on a pole, and if that's all we have there, then that lease space is uh, advantageous. It's easier to lease. Maybe the, the people aren't going to be as upset. It's, it's unobtrusive. It's something that they can't see. So aesthetically and economically, it's a great solution. But you still need to make sure that you have um, a base station feeding it. So the idea of having a BBU hotel where you take all of the baseband units and you feed, let's say, the entire planet with a single location, you know, would be the, the, the ideal solution. But we have limitations on timing. We have limitations on space, so we try to to gain uh, the benefit of the of, let's say existing cell sites are a good example. We want to deploy a small cell or an ODAS node um, rel relatively close to an existing macro cell that has space. Well, why wouldn't you just throw that in there? And so that's the idea. I think we will see BBU hotels constructed from the ground up as BBU hotels, but initially it's important to get these these concepts out out of the door get them in the field so that we can fail as fail or learn. I think there's a, an engineering term. It's like fail fast. You just you absolutely have to get stuff out the door. Don't try and be better. Try and be good enough. Get it out the door. Don't screw up too bad. Try not to, but fail is, or find the opportunities for improvement as soon as possible and then resolve them and then improve on that. And that's the process we're in now. You know, there are BBU hotels that are out there and we're learning rapidly and we're trying to socialize the the benefits that we're seeing and the, the, the benefit we're trying to to share that the key learnings right the best practices is really uh, the focus and that's another part of the maintenance engineering role is to to capture these opportunities and publicize them within the Verizon community so that everybody sees them all right so let's move on to Volti's role in all this as Volti continues to gain footing do you see an increased need for macro sites to accommodate dropped calls at the edge so the, the driving element will be the, the user experience and, and how upset they, they get. Like when we talk about the optimization effort, the, the, when you look at the link budget for a Volte call, um, you know, there's not a lot of data that's transitioning. The latency is a requirement. Uh, you need to keep the, keep the latency down, keep the jitter down. You need to make sure that um, the, the handoffs are happening efficiently. Um, and when we talk about this cell edge performance, it's the edge of the link budget. So things like fade margin and interference margin that are in the link budget um, start becoming very critical because you start running out of gas, you know, you start looking at the weight of your vehicle and the drag coefficients to, to really get you there. And 
So when we, we try to improve that, that link budget, um, there's a few ways to do it. Uh, the best way to do it is to get the transmitter right next to the user. But in, in some cases, that's possible. We see these, see the eFemto solutions coming into play. I think we, the, uh, we are working with Samsung and their eFemto, and, and that idea is let's okay, let's get them, uh, let's get them right next to the transmitter and fill that gap. But that only works for one person. Now you could deploy a small cell, but there's going to be a requirement for lease space. Uh, the community is going to have to generally accept it. And you're going to have to work that into your budget, and it's going to have to be a location that has a lot of people. So, but if this is a large area with a lot of people and there's no there's no cell service, then the macro system still fits. But then it you have to go back to the actual physical requirements uh, that are present. Um, it's like what neighborhood is it? I mean, it, it just seems that the as people are accepting data or requiring data to be a part of their lives, it's it's becoming easier to get into um, a lot of neighborhoods. But they're, the neighborhoods that are are driven by aesthetics are extremely difficult. And but even even those communities see the benefit. And we're there actually recently. Um, We've had discussions with some very affluent neighborhoods, and they've they are they have said that they're pro they're concerned about property values and the lack of digital coverage. Well, that's a game changer. That's part of what we're seeing. It's the evolution of the user experience and what they require, what they deem necessary, and where their concerns are. Because I do not want to belittle uh, or or um, put down anybody that is concerned about um, safety relative to wireless services, but this is part of the evolution. We want to we want to ride the wave. We want to do the best we can with what we have, be the most efficient and provide the best service and, and keep on working, keep on driving, keep, keep on improving. So back to your original question, macro cells, sure, absolutely. It's like, uh, it's, it's meeting a large need with uh, an efficient solution, but it has to fit. You can't force it. Absolutely, that's one thing that I've learned over the last couple of decades, don't try and force a solution. You can either you can either prepare, you know, you, but I saw a quote from Abraham Lincoln, I believe it was, where he said, if you give me six hours to chop a tree down, I'm gonna spend the first four hours sharpening my ax. It's like, okay, that's the right solution. Get the community on board, get everybody on board and find out where it is that they're gonna be okay with it. Make sure that, that that's something that they want and then engage and and then, it's a it's a great outcome, you know. When everybody comes together and works on these solutions, it's perfect. It's beautiful. But when you try and force the situation, it usually takes a lot longer, and it upsets people unnecessarily. All right, Dennis. So for my final question, let's switch gears a little bit. I saw in your LinkedIn profile that you have been an expert witness in three successful criminal prosecutions. What can you tell me about that process? I've I've certainly focused on RF propagation. Um, and I, I enjoy it. I think it's very important to follow your passion um, when when looking at a career. And I've enjoyed it. I spent a lot of time and effort in really understanding how these systems work. And and uh, on occasion, um, the uh, I've seen the district attorney and even law enforcement um, has come out and wanting to understand um, what's happening so they can gather information and really um, help them do their job uh, better. And it's always that they, they frame it as a search for the truth. 
right? You know, it's a, a successful criminal prosecution, meaning that the case was put there. And um, in these cases, the you know, fortunately, there there really was no question. These people were guilty, and they they performed some very heinous acts, um, and they deserve to be put away. But they they make these statements, and it's part of the digital lifestyle. Uh, they have these phones on them. And in one of the one one case, there was a gentleman that said he was not at a location um, where and where in fact a couple of murders were being committed, but he received a call. And there were he made a statement that no, he was in one location versus another location. And the question was, is that possible? So um, they they police the law enforcement uh, came to me or the district attorney said, Hey, what do you think? It's like, well, that's a pretty serious accusation. So let's go through this a few different ways. And and with my understanding or experience with, with provocation, they thought that um, I would be a useful witness. So um, I was really coming into it as just a you know, guy that, that happens to really enjoy RF propagation and knows the cell system. And I was able to provide them with the the information in their search for the truth. And it resulted in a, uh, in, uh, a, a conviction. And there's been a, there have been a few cases um, that I've worked on, um, and with similar, it's very you know the 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 folks that are trying to search for the truth, they, they're they're looking for the solution. They're just looking at individual statements from these guys saying, oh no, there I wasn't there. I was in Los Angeles. It's like okay, well you know let's talk about that. So they're very simple ideas, but you have to work down into the link budgets and and actually look at the math and and, and determine so you can represent to a uh, a jury, uh, lay, a layman, that um, you know what in fact they're saying could be impossible, or, or you would never say impossible. You just say, you know, it seems extremely unlikely, and I don't see a way how that could happen. But you really can't say impossible. And in, in the course of working with the district attorney, um, it's been very good. They've always they're very they do very difficult jobs, and it's, it's uh, I enjoy uh, working with them. And I'll get calls occasionally. I've, uh, I've uh, worked with the uh, with local law enforcement in uh, walk the yard at some prisons or a prison walk the yard at a prison been outside another prison but um, I've also had the uh, opportunity to work with some folks from the FBI and just talking about basic operational principles how our system works so they can understand and and leverage that understanding in, in the pursuit of doing their jobs. And, you know, my experience has always been there. They're just, they're working within the confines of the law to do their jobs and I'm happy to help. All right, Dennis, thank you so much for being so open and candid with me and thank you for all the work you do every day to keep us connected. But now let's switch gears a little bit and close our show as we always do with a look at what's going on in the Facebook tower climber groups. Amber Don Stevens and Josh Stevens posted this picture of their wedding cake uh, on, on Tower Climbers of America, and Amber apparently has a sense of humor about her husband's job. The cake's decked out with a, a full-blown tower, and the bride, if you look a little closer, is trying to hold the groom back from climbing the tower. <laughs> I'm sure that a lot of tower families can relate to that sentiment. But that's it for the Cell Tower News this week. I want to congratulate Amber and Josh Stevens on their wedding and wish them many happy safe and safe years together. Until next, until next time, everyone, be safe out there. Cell Tower News is a production of RCR-TV. To reach Joey Jackson or suggest a show topic for Cell Tower News, contact him at jjackson at rcrwireless.com or on Twitter at duck underscore jackson. For more Cell Tower News, please visit rcrwireless.com.